Hi. We're going to take a break from such golden oldie Discord and Rhyme Cold Open styles as entire cast pretends to forget which band we're covering for this episode about the Handsome family. I love Hanson. The one with the long hair is so adorable. They all had long hair. Anyway, today's band is the phonetically not really similar The Handsome Family, but people still have trouble with it. So Amanda and I thought we'd introduce newcomers to this indie Americana band with a different genre of our teasers. Will's Half-Remembered Music Anecdotes. Will's Half-Remembered Music Anecdotes. Tonight, we'll be lightly paraphrasing some stage banter they engaged in before playing their weirdly touching, yet chilling, yet also weirdly hilarious murder ballad Arlene when I saw them live in Madison in 2009. Amanda's going to help me out by playing bassist-slash-lyricist Rennie Sparks, and I will be playing guitarist-slash-singer Brett Sparks. Here we go. Amanda? <clears throat> We wrote this song back when we lived in Chicago. I was really depressed at the time, and at first I thought, well, maybe I'll try growing tomato plants in the apartment. That might cheer me up. So I tried growing these tomato plants inside, but they died, and I was still really depressed. So I thought it might help to paint the walls happy colors, so I tried that. She painted the walls. I walked out of the shower one day and was confronted with this and thought, what the fuck? That is the color of madness. The walls were the color of, like, Van Gogh's sunflowers. It was summery. So anyway, the plants didn't cheer me up and the walls didn't cheer me up. So I thought, well, maybe it will cheer me up to write a song about a girl who gets kidnapped and dragged into the woods. And what do you know? Will's have remembered me. Hi, I'm Will again. I probably should have introduced myself as Will in the first place. Anyway, that's what you're in for here, dear listener. Gird your loins. This is Discord and Rhyme. <laughs> Welcome to Discord and Rhyme, a podcast where we discuss our favorite album song by song. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and generally where podcasts are found. And you can find our complete archive of back episodes and extensive show notes on our website, discordpod.com. Roll call. I'm Amanda Rogers. Chris Willie Williams. Rich Bennell. And Dan Watkins. If you like what you hear and you want to support this podcast with a monthly donation, you can visit patreon.com slash discordpod. And many thanks to those of you who have already. We have some real cool stuff over there for you. And finally, if you have any thoughts or feedback about the show or you just want to say hi, we are on both Twitter and Instagram at discordpod. And you can email us at discordpod at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, so please write to us. Seriously. Yeah, it's the best. And now it is time to turn it over to this week's host, Will. What album do you have for us today, Will? I have The Handsome Family's 2003 masterpiece, Singing Bones. Great. Why? <laughs> that sounded a little argumentative. But <laughs> we've, we've already covered my favorite album of all time, Yola Tingo's I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One. And so I figured I'd just start going down the list. Um, Singing Bones has been a very close second for years. And although it's not as well known as lots of the albums we cover, it's one that I feel deserves all the attention it can get. So I'm going to proselytize a bit here, which I'm sure is always fun to listen to. Oh, that's why we do this. 
Wait, so well, this isn't a musical version of the procedural starring Emily Deschanel and David Boreanaz. <laughs> I've been preparing for the wrong episode. It has a bit more personality than David Boreanaz, if you can imagine. Impossible. <laughs> what, that bucket of charisma? So, <laughs> so uh, well, how did you first come across The Handsome Family and how did this get to be your second favorite album? Well, uh, since I was in college, I remember occasionally coming across effusive glowing reviews of The Handsome Family, which I ignored to my detriment. I'd been under the impression that I'd somehow heard some of their stuff and hated it. But I now suspect I had them confused with the experimental indie band Akron Family, who are boring as toots. <laughs> but in 2006, one such review convinced me to properly investigate their newest album, Last Days of Wonder. And I was mind blown by the song Tesla's Hotel Room. Although I knew the Handsome Family was generally tagged as an alt-country or gothic country band, this song was a delicate skeletal articulation of mandolin and French horn, telling the sad story of Nikola Tesla with uncommonly clear-eyed sympathy, artfully spiced with dark humor. He couldn't stand the touch of hair or of skin, but strove I listened to that song over and over, and once I was able to pay attention to the rest of Last Days of Wonder, I became similarly transfixed. I quickly acquired the rest of their albums and fell tea kettle over heels in love with their unique oeuvre of melodic Americana, which is both deeply humane and deeply, often hilariously contemptuous of humanity. They are the perfect band for me, and this is what I feel to be their best album. Yeah, I, I found out about them because of you. Because uh, you had been talking about them nonstop for just years and years and years. <laughs> and then finally, maybe, I don't know, five years ago, it was right after we went mini golfing in Orlando that time. Yeah, that's probably five years. Yeah, I don't know. You must have been talking about them a lot. Probably. You know, while we were hanging out. And so when I got home, I don't know why I picked this one first, but I just went on Spotify and played Through the Trees. Mm -hmm. And the first song on that album, Weightless Again, just hypnotized me. We stop for coffee in the redwood forest. Giant dripping leaves, spoons of powdered cream. Actually, took me a while to get to the rest of the album because I just had to listen to that song like 75 times. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's a very, very good one. It's stunning. And so, yeah, I finally got through the rest of it. It took me a little while to move move on. But you told me to listen to Singing Bones next. So I did. And just it, honestly, those are still the only two albums I'm super familiar with. But I love them both. They are absolutely fantastic. Yay. Yeah. So, Dan, how about you? 
I came into this completely cold. <laughs> the Hanson family is a name I was familiar with, but I don't know if I even knew what kind of music they even did. I just had kind of come across a name in passing. So I was recruited to partake in this episode and I was not let down by Will's good taste. And I yeah, <laughs> wish I'd had more time to kind of pursue more albums, but kind of like uh, man, I really just know this one and uh, Through the Trees so far, but I like them both a lot. Rich, how about you? I have zero history with the Handsome Family, like Dan, except that I've seen the first season of True Detective, which features Far From Any Road from this album as its opening theme. And I liked the opening credits a lot more than the rest of the show. That's <laughs> 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 all that I'll say. But that's it for me. All right. Well, Will, what can you tell us about the Handsome Family? Are they really as handsome as they claim? More so. Awesome. So long to the goldfish who ate each other's tails. So long to the chipmunk trapped under the stairs. So That hole that I bricked over So long, so long I'll see you on the other side The Handsome Family consists of the inimitably dark and smart husband and wife duo Rennie and Brett Sparks. They met in college when Brett was apparently attracted to the smell of tequila that Rennie constantly kept in her, fr- in her purse. <laughs> And those alcohol pheromones eventually led to a marriage that's lasted for more than 30 years. <laughs> Following their how that usually ends up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This feels like the opposite of Tallahassee. <laughs> <laughs> the Mountain Goats Tallahassee, one of the many oh, yeah, episodes you can, you can find in the Discord and Rhyme archive. <laughs> that did not end well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, th- I suspect if the handsome family really were honest with each other, they don't expect anything to end well either. <laughs> anything. Following their shambling 1994 debut, Odessa, Brett's and Rennie's duties in the band became strictly compartmentalized. Rennie writes the lyrics, and Brett writes, arranges, and mostly performs the largely countrified music on the albums. Or as Brett once put it, I don't fuck with her bits and she don't fuck with mine. In their earlier years, the band was based in Chicago, but they were eventually priced out of the housing market, and they fled to Albuquerque, a utopia of hacky jokes about missed left turns and jackass tourists throwing pizzas on the roof of the Heisenberg house. (laughs) Their new digs allowed for the creation of a custom home studio in which the Sparks could spend as much time as they wanted recording and honing their music. Though they'd recorded plenty of great material in professional Chicago studios, most notably the 1998 album Through the Trees, which is nearly perfect, Uh, Starting with 2001's Twilight, their home recording showed off a huge leap in production quality. Singing Bones is their second album recorded at their home base, and it sounds warm and enormous throughout. Now, over the years, the Handsome Family gained plenty of influential admirers, from Jeff Tweedy to David Bowie, and they never quite had that breakthrough moment in spite of other people's attempts to goose their popularity. For instance, they appeared in the BBC documentary Searching for the Wrong-Eyed Jesus, which focuses on deep South folk rock artists, even though they were based in Chicago. 
On NBC's official website for The Office, their song Drunk by Noon was listed as one of Jim Halpert's five favorite songs, which carried far more cachet before we collectively reevaluated and decided that Jim is worse than Christian Grey. A covers album of their songs was recorded by whistling pop allergen Andrew Bird. (laughs) But it seemed like they were fated to fly mostly beneath the radar, making terrific albums and putting on consistently delightful concerts to an audience that was thoroughly adoring and enthusiastic, but far smaller than they deserved. But in 2014, all that changed when, as Rich mentioned, their song Far From Any Road, featured here, was chosen as the theme music for the first season of HBO's True Detective. That brought them a huge chunk of attention and well-earned cash, and only six years later, we are attempting to capitalize on that popularity bump. (laughs) So let's delve into that song as well as the rest of the album, which is every bit as worthy of your attention. All right, then let's get started with track one, which is The Forgotten Lake. Come with me to the forgotten lake Where covered wagons and the wings of missing planes Float between blind fish underneath the velvet Lights fly across the rocky beach Girls in white nightgowns wander barefoot in their sea And the vapors of dreams wind in circles round For me, this hypnotically hypoxic intro to Singing Bones is an explicit invitation to be led by the hand through a carefully curated chamber of curiosities. For me, the whole album's thesis is contained in the lines, Those shadows that climb your darkened walls at night, they open a door filled with forgotten light. Brett and Rennie guide us gently through this murky, dreamy passageway, priming us to embrace the unnatural phenomena to come. It's a very good move kicking off the album with just Brett's voice, which is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he does have a tendency to get a little nasal in his upper range, which is something that usually annoys me, but not with him. Somehow it just ends up being charming rather than obnoxious. And it's just that his voice is entirely unique, at least in my experience, and it's the most immediately noticeable and outstanding element of their sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his voice really is just just kind of fill up the room and he hits a couple of twangs here and there that really remind me of the crash test dummies distinctly. <laughs> and it's not a complaint. Like it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's a complaint. Once no. there was this lake. <laughs> <laughs> but like I mentioned earlier, like the only other album of theirs I've really heard in depth is through the trees. And it's interesting to hear the shift in production between the two albums, because that album it's almost kind of like a low budget representation of Americana music at times. I'm kind of thinking mm-hmm. of the like the pounding drum machine that you hear in uh, down on the down on the ground. I'm not afraid when you call me down down the basement steps under the house down down in the ground. But here it's it's just pristine like it's like you're actually in the desert 
it's almost like very cinematic and uh, yeah. earthy. A touch that I really like in this is at the end of each verse, the guitar root note kind of does this like it takes a half step down and back up, which kind of gives it this sort of unsettling feeling in this otherwise really serene, peaceful scenery. Yeah. And the pedal, the, the pedal steel guitar solo is gorgeous, too. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. For me, as someone who really likes to dig into the weeds, like research, social context, all of that wanky stuff, like this album was actually kind of freeing to me, like the way that Brett and Rennie, they, they like break from all of that and paint their own kind of magical realist world with a lot of these lyrics. But it still has a ton of human and emotional resonance. But like what I mean here is that like this is 2003. And as far as I can tell, there's nothing here about like, say, like 9-11, Bush, <laughs> the Iraq War. But instead you get a lake that's like a black hole enveloping all of civilization. <laughs> uh, perhaps all of time. I don't know who knows with these lyrics. But like uh, anyway, but Brett's huge voice, like you guys said, it makes you feel like you're tapping into something really big, really broad. And it's just a great way to open the album. You know, that's that's a really good point. I know that they were they were both very anti Iraq war. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, I I hadn't I read an interview with Rennie that basically said, like, America, is this what you want to be your your legacy? Yeah, and I'm not saying the music is apolitical. I don't think anything can be apolitical, but it's just uh, they just just have an interesting way of of expressing themselves that I like. Uh, Yeah, I I think they given that context, I I think you're probably right that this was intended as sort of an insular counterpart to everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. I, or at least I wouldn't be surprised to learn that. Well, some of these songs kind of could take place at any time. It's kind of jarring when you do hear like a modern reference to something in these songs. Yeah. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, we are still in 2003. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah. I, that, I hadn't put my finger on that before, but I, I think you're... That's nice. All right. Well, let's see what interesting points we can come up with about track (laughs) two, Gale with the Golden Hair. stories often take unpredictable third act turns and since we limit our clips to around one minute on the show i suppose i should warn you people that we'll be spoiling some of these songs in our discussion for instance gale with the golden hair starts off as a wholesome tale of discharging weapons in the desert but like ripping off a biore strip something goes painfully wrong Gale picks up on some strange, almost Manchurian candidate-like compulsion from the fire, and she runs away through the city, screaming at the streetlights. As one does. Yeah, with, like with, you do. when you use Biore strips, yes. <laughs> We're sponsored by Biore this episode. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I tend to feel that Rennie's one of the least metaphorical lyricists working today. Uh, she generally lays everything out on the table in her stories. But this song is an exception. At its heart, I think this might be a song about the difficulty of being with someone who's mentally ill. 
The Handsome family have made no secret of uh, Brett's struggles with severe bipolar disorder. Candidly interviewing about how he once blew hundreds of dollars on pillows during a manic episode, writing songs like the shattering My Ghost on Through the Trees, or mm -hmm. turning it into hilariously black concert patter like this. He has names for all his shirts. Isn't that kind of creepy? <laughs> Check my credit card statement. Make sure he's taking his pills. <laughs> For over five thousand dollars, he said that means you're off your medication, right? I am in the fucking room here, you know. Oh. <laughs> They're very funny lines. That is great. There's, but there's a, a panic in the second half of the song that feels to me slightly more intense and lived in than the band usually goes for. Not that it throws the album off kilter or anything. It's, it's just an interesting branching off from their usual less personal sounding fare. But certainly I don't, I don't feel like it is intended to make fun of Brett or anything, and I certainly don't think that he would have recorded several tracks worth of vocals if it were. No, and I've noticed in the songs that seem to be about mental illness, they're always very compassionate mm -hmm. and understanding. There's never really any, like, look at this crazy asshole right. kind of vibe about it. So, yeah, it's really good. Uh, Rich, what do you think? Well, one thing that it took me a while to realize uh, is that this album has kind of a strain of mariachi influence to it. And it's really obvious mm -hmm. later on in Far From Any Road when the horns show up. And we'll talk about that later. But it's also present here with like the guitar plucking and other elements I could probably put into words if I actually knew anything about mariachi. <laughs> uh, but I've seen this song compared to country western singer and native southwesterner Marty Robbins, specifically his signature song, El Paso. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. That's a pretty good call. Nighttime would find me in Rose's Cantina. Music would play and Ferdinand would whirl. And if that sounded familiar, even if, like me, you only pretend to know about this kind of music, it's because it was used in the series finale of Breaking Bad. So there's another Albuquerque reference for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did kind of absorb this album while watching the most recent season of Better Call Saul, so it's really hard to separate this oh, Albuquerque nice. setting from the Breaking Bad averse. Have they used the Handsome Family ever on either of those no. soundtracks? That's strange. and I'm surprised. Oh, yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> the last episode I watched had Aphex Twin in it. Well, they're from Albuquerque, though. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> Let's keep it in. <laughs> Wait for the emails to come in. <laughs> so, Dan, what do you think of the song? I really like the kind of specific details that Randy will drop into these songs, because specifically I like the drinking cans of warm beer, because it's not enough of a hillbilly image to be shooting cans of beer from the roof of your car, but it's actually warm beer you're drinking while you're doing it. <laughs> that is a <laughs> but, great uh, detail. It's very authentic. I like that. So it's a really kind of nice color to add to the lyrics and... Uh, yeah, I totally, that El Paso thing kind of kills me. I, I should have thought of that. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. We need to start a Get the Handsome Family on the last season of Better Call Saul campaign. Yes. If they ever film things again. There's nothing TV producers listen to more than online petitions. Yeah. Well, we will round up all our legions of listeners and send a giant petition. To, to Vince Gillian and Peter Gould. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, then let's move on to track three, which is 24 Hour Store. Hands waving mirrors, angels fly through lights, but the sleepless and lost 
school our drama class put on a production of Thornton Wilder's Our Town which the whole school was made <laughs> to sit through I remember being bored stupid but I also remember a discomforting scene in which two characters who've died have nothing to do but sit upon their gravestones and talk to each other through the ether for eternity I found it very upsetting because existential terror is not something you expect from a school play when you're in the eighth grade <laughs> On this track, though, Rennie takes that feeling and turns it into ghoulish comedy with the trapped souls doomed to be eternal prisoners of retail, haunting the aisles of a boring, never-closed Canadian tire or something, while the still-living haunt their aisles in, equally, in an equally bored, lonely stupor. Brett's lonesome cowpoke arrangement amps up both the humor and the sorrow, with his singing saw weaving ghostly noises throughout. Yeah. And it is just weird and <laughs> creepy and wonderful yeah i love uh, the saw as a way of representing ghosts it's perfect <laughs> there's kind of like an old like cheesy horror movie or like you know horror movie special feel to it yeah all right dan what do you think of it um yeah it's really hard to <laughs> once you get to the musical saw it's really hard to pick apart much else musically because that really is just the kind of commanding element of the song because it really is just the perfect touch for a song about ghosts haunting a retail store mm -hmm. and as a survivor of retail i can't think of a worse fate to be damned to than haunting yeah. halls of yeah my same pure one imports <laughs> in suburban alabama target barnes and noble but uh, there are more great lyrics in this and i really especially like the juxtaposition of the supernatural with just the mundane tacky reality of concrete and steel linoleum floors it's just wonderfully specific mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i didn't realize that was a saw i thought it was a theremin or something it sounds like a, theremin. Kind of a similar effect but i mean whatever it is that is exactly what singing bones would sound like so is brett playing that saw yes wow that's that's amazing how do you pick that up i don't know what this strange saw object you guys are talking about is producer mike what's a saw it's a saw oh a oh saw. <laughs> and you know the vocal harmonies on this song are just wild it's not so much a harmony part as it is brett singing just two entirely different melodies simultaneously yeah, i really like the layering in this one of the vocals mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i thought i was gonna ask so is brett from chicago you know i believe he's from texas okay that, that seems so weird to me that he'd be from chicago and sound like this he does not they, sound like <laughs> chicago they also <laughs> lived in ann arbor for a little bit yes <laughs> oh yeah they they both did wow. they were uh I, I last saw them in Ann Arbor, and they were talking about this guy who used to sell pierogies door to door. And <laughs> Rennie asked the crowd if he still does that, and Brett's response was, "He got deported." 
<laughs> which I thought was hilarious, but because he was joking, I should point out. But okay, <laughs> uh, but nobody, nobody else seemed to to get the joke. I'm fascinated by malls as because I guess it's a recurring theme in the Handsome Family. Like I, I, I read that. Mm-hmm. So Rennie has said that this album in general was inspired by an encounter she had with a blind woman in a Walgreens parking lot. And I guess that they have a, another song, Peace in the Valley, once again. I don't know what album that's on, but it, it, it imagines a future world in which malls have been reclaimed by nature. So they just come back to this well over and over again. And that's actually happening now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, well I was going to say, I, w- I won't get into wanky planning stuff this time, but malls have become just kind of almost a symbol of decay in America. And there's almost kind of a death of the old West feel to the way they've been left behind and hollowed out as everything has gone online. Mm-hmm. And just uh, and another thing I read about from Rennie is that she loves to people watch at the mall. And you just got to think of New Mexico where malls are one of the few remaining public spaces or, you know, they were before we all had to go inside all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Peace in the Valley, once again, is on their album Twilight. OK. And um, another good example is on their sort of rarities compilation scattered. It's called A Plague of Humans. And it, can, it, can, it contains the lines, a radiation leak ain't half as bad as me shopping and driving and driving and shopping. Hmm. Yeah, well, I like that. Just malls as like a setting. I mean, she's not, you know, looking down at malls like so many people do. It's just like, you know, right. part of the landscape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a place where things happen. Like a symbol of Americana. Yeah. And speaking of retail spaces, just for what it's worth, Canadian Tire isn't a 24 hour store. It's not? No. That's BS. I could have sworn it was. At least mine here in my town isn't. Well, I I stand corrected. <laughs> this you know, we're we're very big on accuracy here on yeah, Discord yeah. and Rhyme. I Canada, I apologize. <laughs> we accept. On behalf of the United States. <laughs> because somebody should. All right. Well, let's take all those malls and throw them into the bottomless hole. Ha. That was terrible. <laughs> I liked it. Which is why we're keeping it. All right. Yay. My name I don't remember, though I hail from Ohio. I had a wife and children, good tires on my car. What took me from my home and put me in the earth was the mountain. Of a deep dark hole I found behind my barn. I like how they don't always really care about rhyming anything. Yeah. <laughs> We've been filling it with garbage as long as you could count. Kitchen scraps and dead cows, tractors broken down. But adore and never get tired of this song yeah yeah brett gives it a very simple folk ballad construction it's just five verses all in a row but it does not become repetitive or boring because he manages to ratchet up the tension in his vocals throughout and more importantly he accurately trusts that the listener will remain compelled by rennie's hilariously dark story of a man driven to self-destructive obsession by a confusing hole 
<laughs> the line, we'd been filling it with garbage as long as you can count, cracks me up. Not just because of the truly odd sentence structure, but because of the straight-faced assumption that when you discover a truly miraculous glitch in God's creation that might give you a once-in-a-lifetime peek behind the curtain, the natural thing to do is to just cram it full of crap that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> that would really solve our landfill problem. <laughs> That's true. But it's a very human instinct, right? We find something unique and miraculous and immediately wreck it. Yeah. I, I think that's, yeah. that's the theme in a lot of their songs. Yeah. <laughs> it was not in the good place. Like, a, it's such a human instinct to take something that's great and ruin it just a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Like frozen yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can have more of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, but the the whole the whole song is is gold. It's hard for me to think of a more chillingly funny capper to a song than the final lines here. Still, I am there falling down in this evil pit, but until I hit the bottom, I won't believe it's bottomless. That's so good. It's such a great yeah. paradox to end the song with, and it, it, it's it's like it's like the kind of paradoxes that humans hold in their minds. It's it's awesome. Yeah, I was I was planning to point that out. It's just an incredible way to end the song because it's such a weird. It, like not circular logic, just like completely bonkers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's what obsession is like. So yeah, or so I'm told. Yeah, you wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say that the uh, the annotator for this song on Genius is really single mindedly insistent that the song is about addiction. Like every line is annotated to say that same thing over and over again. But I get the sense that Rennie's lyrics are rarely, if ever, about one identifiable thing. So. Yeah, I read yeah. that too, and it didn't quite connect, I didn't think. Yeah, ma making fun of genius is just such like a, a rich vein <laughs> of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think this might be the best song on the album. I wouldn't argue. I love this, and it's such a great example of how Rennie Sparks approaches her song lyrics just like she's writing a short story. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the kind of thing, it, it's like if Faulkner had written stories in a way that people could actually understand. Or put it's, up with. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love how it's structured as a flashback. And mm -hmm. it's also a really good example of how they can take these traditional country and folk music tropes and use them in just crazy new ways. Like this is a really old fashioned melody and arrangement, but I mean, it's not at all derivative, but nothing about these lyrics is traditional at all. It's, they, they're so good at that kind of contrast between the music and the words. And the song is amazing. I like the attention to process in the lyrics, like that he gets out his ropes in a rusty clawfoot tub and rigs himself yeah. a chariot to ride down into the hole. Yeah, like that, that yeah. kind of stuff that everybody just has lying around behind their barn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, he doesn't just say like, you know, I climbed down the hole. No, you get the entire process. I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. He went spelunking in the bottomless hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, this one's up there. It's, it's when I was first kind of soaking in the album. This is the first one that really jumped out at me. Uh, and I, what is the weird like squeaky noise? I don't know. Because it's great. It's it just so like eerie. It, it sounds like a really creaky door opening. Yeah, or a, or a rocking chair or something. Yeah. But the, the line that jumps out at me is the I had a wife and children, good tires on my car. That line just gets me every time because <laughs> it's the man's proudest lifetime achievements. Family and a sweet set of Firestones on his Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> Did he get them from Canadian Tire? 
Probably. The only thing that was, there's no way this guy does not drive a truck. This is a truck guy. It's true. <laughs> I don't buy he drives a car. Well, if he does, it's an old beater of a 1993 Toyota Corolla, but it's got really good tires on it. <laughs> That's actually a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he probably drives that car real far from any road. Oh. <laughs> uh, Track <no>. five. <laughs> it did it. This one's so groovy. It is. I want to sway to it. Don't let us stop you. From the dusty mesa by far the most famous Hanson Family song because it was chosen as the theme song for the briefly respected premium cable show True Detective by (laughs) T-Bone Burnett, who is Amanda's boyfriend when she's cheating on Nick Drake. It's true. I've never seen True Detective, but I've watched the opening titles to True Blood with the song playing over them, and I can't imagine they'd be much different. It works as a (laughs) naggingly... Yeah. (laughs) It works as a naggingly memorable theme song, no matter the context, though, with Brett's water torture gyro underpinning a brilliant piece of Calexico-style border straddling, and a rare but always welcome solo vocal appearance from Rennie on the second and third verses. In the hushing dusk under swollen silver moon, I came walking with the wind to watch the I've read several different explanations for the song's lyrics from the band themselves, and so I've concluded that it's a really witchy song that was inspired by Rennie getting stung a bunch of times by red ants. Ooh. Ooh. And honestly, there's, yeah, there's little that would be less in the Handsome Family's wheelhouse. Yeah, I read that this really leveled the group up to bigger venues and that like when the group was playing overseas, people would just be holding up their camera during this song and then just leave. <sighs> That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, but I I like them getting more money, though. Uh, And this was also apparently the walk-on song for Guns N' Roses' 2015 tour. I just like the (laughs) idea of Axl Rose watching True Detective and being like, this song kicks ass! Yeah. (laughs) Or rather be wheeled out, I I would guess. That's true. (laughs) On a Hannibal Lecter-esque dolly. (laughs) I I have also not seen True Detective, but I did watch the opening credits sequence, and it's kind of strange seeing this song played over these sort of industrial landscapes of, is it Louisiana where it takes place? Louisiana, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of odd. So does anybody have a coherent explanation of the cactus flower that, I've I've read vague descriptions of the cactus flower this song supposedly about, that blooms at midnight and drives you insane, supposedly? Is that like the warm smell of colitas rising up through the air? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't researched it, but I would not be surprised to learn that that's uh, 
a local, what do you call it, like old wives tale or something that mm-hmm. you yeah. would have seized upon. Because I found myself reading much more about desert plant life than I thought I would have from this album because of this song. <laughs> that sounds like a fascinating Wikipedia hole. I might fall down it later <laughs> myself. Yeah. It does. I would love more Rennie vocals on this album in general, but it also makes mm-hmm. it such a whoa moment when she shows up. It's just uh, a great counterpoint. Yeah, it like is. fading out of the mist or something. Uh, it specifically reminds me of uh, when Kimbra shows up partway through Gautier's Somebody That I Used to Know. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, yeah. good comp- I forgot there's a female voice in that song. Gautier, by the way. Yeah, uh, man, the world has changed so much <laughs> since that song was popular. Um, anyway, it's such the, a good song, though. Yeah, yeah, but the <laughs> but specifically, Brett and Rennie have confirmed in interviews that they were specifically going for a Lee Hazelwood, Nancy Sinatra effect with this song. Mm. And uh, they're most famous for these boots are made for walking. But this song brings to mind their duet, Summer Wine. I walked in town on silver spurs, the jingle too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A song that I had only sang to just a few. She saw my silver spurs and said, let's pass some time. And I will give to you. They have the same kind of swagger. Some of it. Oh, some of Wait for it. Strawberries, cherries, and an angel's kiss in spring My summer wine is really made from all these Oh, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if that's what they were aiming for, they nailed it. It's pretty great. And that's part of what's cool about this album. Like, going in, I thought I was just getting into a folk album, but there's so many strands of influence going on here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the musical palette's a lot broader than I thought, like, on the first few listens. So I kind of picked it apart. Yeah. yeah. And Rich, I like what you said earlier about the mariachi influence, because I didn't notice it on the prior song that it showed up on, but you're absolutely right. But it's real obvious on this one. And it, it reminds me of uh, when Johnny Cash went through his little mariachi phase, like Ring of Fire, oh, me, yeah. me Babe, like that, that melding of Mexican and country and Western influences. And it works really well. All right, then the next track is If the World Should End in Fire. If the world should end in fire, the ocean foiling into flame, I will watch the last sunrise and think of all the sunny days when the mystery of the skies and the shifting clouds was enough to make me sure that behind the This song just makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> yeah. There's a place where time is dead and all things stand
Okay, in a break from tradition, I'm going to suspend any comments about this song for reasons that will become clear in a while. So unless anyone has any objection, which they'd better not if they know what's good for them, let's move on. All right, then uh, there's a shadow underneath. Lisa heard a whisper in her computer screen And in the sad laser flicker of the Xerox machine Kind of a fillery track, I admit. It's more it's more existential horror from Rennie, this time about an office worker who can't stop encountering pin feathers of darkness and doom and the otherwise smooth coat of quotidian nine to five drudgery. In no way is it a bad song. I particularly like uh Brett's eerie oh before the last line of each chorus, but it doesn't <laughs> pop. <laughs> like nearly every other song on the album. I don't skip it. Uh, I I still like it, but it's I don't find a, a lot to chew on with it. Mm-hmm. Well, so this is The Handsome Family's The Office, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's how I think of it. Like, this is the first, maybe the only song on the album that's just about boring everyday life. And it's filled with like all this great, sleepy, glassy-eyed imagery, like the sad laser flicker of the Xerox machine. Right. Plastic trees waving under air ducts in the automated breeze. And my favorite image is um, a canyon of buildings, which like in the American Southwest is one gray, boring ass looking canyon, especially compared to the real canyons that you can find around there. Yeah, I don't know. Like as a city nerd, I love lyrics like this, like poetry and the mundane details of urban life. Like, uh, well, it reminds me of San Diego Zoo by the six, which we discussed just mm. last year. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was the same group of people, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan, what do you think of this? Yeah, this one, it's it's OK. It, I enjoy it while it's on, but it's not one that I walk away from uh, singing in my head or anything. And I really do think that the, the strength of the song really does kind of hang on that exact uh, vocal bit that, that Will mentioned, where Brett's background higher register sort of ascends as his deeper voice is going down. That's a nice little touch. And it's this is one where I kind of yeah. like hearing this sort of like cowboy twangy music talking about Xerox machines and computer screens. It's kind of funny. They do that well. Like there, there's a song on uh, Through the Trees, uh, Cathedrals, I think it's called, that mm-hmm. starts off with the very most traditional country and Western hook you can think of. And then the first line is the cathedral in Cologne looks like a spaceship. <laughs> That's it's <great>. amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're good at that. One very good example of that is in the song Lake Geneva, which is raccoons in the darkness drag off your hot dog buns, <laughs> which is <laughs> just a, ni- a nice collision of nature and humanity. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> really good. Okay, then, uh, speaking of humanity, uh, let's move on to track eight, Dry Bones. <laughs> 
Dry Bones is an old, old, old folk song, and this is a relatively straight cover of Bascom Lamar Lunsford's 1928 recording of the song, as featured on Harry Smith's landmark 1952 compilation, The Anthology of American Folk Music. When Moses saw that a burning bush, he walked it round and round. And the Lord said to Moses, use treading holy ground. I saw, I saw the light from heaven shining all around. I saw the light come shining, I saw the light come down. And that is, uh, as producer Mike points out, the same guy who sang, I wish I was a mole in the ground that Deer Hunter sampled. And that is his contribution to the Handsome Family discussion. I frankly don't find this song as interesting as Handsome Family Originals, and I can't quite figure out what it's doing here thematically. Uh, nevertheless, Brett sings the hell out of it, and the fun banjo-dobro arrangement is appropriately both dry and bony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not realize this was a cover when I first heard it, and I love it. I think this is fantastic. And my first reaction to it was how much it sounds like a Hank Williams song, I Saw the Light. I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Yeah, I was so close to putting in the Todd Rundgren one, Amanda, but I decided to spare you. <laughs> I actually wondered if you were going to do that. <laughs> it is possible that Williams was thinking of the song when he wrote that, but the phrase, I saw the light, is hardly unusual in gospel music, so, you know, I'm not banking on that. But the Handsome Family version of the song still, I mean, it sounds quite different from the recording that Will shared, I think. They, like, they cleaned it up and modernized it a bit, and I, I still feel like they had Hank Williams in mind when they did their arrangement. I think it's fantastic. I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's a, the verses are a bunch of Bible references, which is common for, you know, gospel music, because that's the point. Uh, most of them are stories that most people are familiar with, but the one that I like the best is the, the title story, The Dry Bones. Those are from the book of Ezekiel, which is one of the very weirdest books of the entire Bible. Uh, the prophet has a series of just really wild visions, and one of them is of a valley full of dry human bones that gradually pull themselves together and grow tendons and muscle and skin and turn back into living people. And this represents the return of the exiled Israelites to their homeland. It's really weird. <laughs> weird I, in the Bible. I, I know, right? Come <laughs> now. But I really like that that's the, the central image of this song. This is one that kind of breezes past me. Uh, I'll blame my lack of familiarity with with this genre of sort of old-timey Americana. But this one is the one that feels the most just kind of like a straight genre exercise without really putting their own spin on it. It's well executed, um, but it's kind of just missing the weight of the other songs in the album for me. So it's just sort of there. All right, let's move on then to track nine, Fallen Peaches. Of 
find unusual borderline supernatural phenomena and write songs about them. For instance, she once wrote a song called The Loneliness of Magnets that comes from a woman who cornered her after a handsome family show and babbled about some sort of study that placed people in rooms full of magnets to see what their emotional reaction would be. And they all said lonely, <laughs> which is a very sad conclusion to reach. But luckily, Rennie reports that it is almost certainly bullshit as she has found no supporting documentation <laughs> whatsoever. However, one real-life curiosity that she's spun into a beautiful cobweb yarn, albeit one in which she's kicked at the dirt to erase some lines between the temporal world and the immaterial one, is called postmortem luminescence. Mm -hmm. Evidently, in the absence of proper sanitation, there are bacteria that like to munch on human corpses, and these bacteria actually glow in the dark. And during the Civil War in particular, there were reports of glowing corpses strewn across battlefields. And although presumably none of them shot fiery bat signals into the sky like here, I would be very surprised if that wasn't Rennie's inspiration to, for the song. Wow. And, hmm. Yeah. And added to Brett's carefully calibrated seesaw of a melody, this is a wonderfully unsettling highlight on an album full of highlights. That line, but as his green eyes dimmed, I saw a fiery mist drift softly to the clouds. I thought that was just a piece of poetry and not like the thematic centerpiece of the song. <laughs> yeah, I have minimal to zero knowledge of folk music, as I've said before, but this melody here, feel it feels very well-worn to me, very traditional. Like, I've heard, already heard it a thousand times, sung by a thousand balladeers, and that's the whole point. Like, are there any particular songs Bre Brett is evoking here? Not to my knowledge. Yeah, it just sounds very familiar to me. I don't know. I, I, I'm just... Uh, if any listeners with more knowledge of folk, of folk music than me know anything about this, then just email us at discordpod at gmail.com. Yeah, I'd be interested to learn. It does sound really familiar, but I can't place it on anything specific. There's just kind of an uncanny familiarity to the entire progression here. Uh, all I'll say otherwise is that the closing verse, um, across the corpses on the hills, the sunset spread her flames and her glowing fingers held me as she dug my shallow grave. Just wow. Yeah. <laughs> Brandy can do a lyric. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is my favorite song in the album. Oh, yeah? uh, between this cool. and The Giant of Illinois, I'm realizing that with The Handsome Family, the sadder the songs are, the better they are. At least for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like their sad songs a lot. They say so much. And the melody... <laughs> <laughs> the, the lyrics and the melody and just his vocal performance is just so effective and haunting. I really, really like this mm -hmm. one. Uh, well, I mean, the first thing I want to point out is this does not make any sense because we, as we all know, peaches come from a can. They were put there by a man in a factory downtown. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, I, I don't, as far as I can tell, this isn't evoking any specific song. It's just a, just very traditional melody and arrangement because they're really good mm -hmm. at evoking the feel and the sound of old folk music without necessarily copying it mm -hmm. but on the other hand the chord changes in the song are fascinating the the intro is just so dark and foreboding and then it changes the instant brett starts singing and that really really gets your intention 
right off the bat. I mean, there's so many of their songs that seem really simple on the surface, but they just have a ton of stuff going on once you pay closer attention. Yeah, I think Brett has a, a master's in music composition or, or something oh, similar. <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah, he, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, that, that's not the kind of thing you just do by accident. All right, are we done with that one? I think so. All right, then let's go to track 10, which is Whitehaven. But one with the This song is a big chunk of why I picked this album to cover on this here podcast, because it sounds like so little else in the pop rock world. The Handsome Family may get the alt-country logo lazily slapped across their chest like a torn I Voted sticker, but the Baroque waltzing prettiness of the song is not something you'd hear coming out of, say, Uncle Tupelo. It sounds more like a song from the era before humanity discovered the ability to dance in ways that didn't consist solely of primly touching each other's palms and stiffly bowing. And it doesn't even sound like that once you factor in Rennie's tale of a narrator and woman possessed by some foul Tudor age spirit that leads to them being pursued by villagers who accidentally destroy the church around which their village is centered. It's a gorgeous song with a gaspingly hideous core. And they once played this song live at my emailed request, and it is among my favorite concert memories. That's so cool. Hmm. Yeah, it made me really happy. I love it. Yeah, I feel like there are times when Rennie hands Brett a set of lyrics and he says, right, I am just going to write up a melody that doesn't match these at all. <laughs> and it's pretty much always great. Mm -hmm. it, this has like, you know, the, that vaguely English folk song feel to it while it's telling this really weird, violent, gothic horror story. And that's not to say that old English folk songs are not weird and violent, because of course they are. But this this takes it. To a whole new place. Yeah. And I think this is a real, oh, this is so good. I love this one. Yeah. All, all I'll say is that like, since, uh, you know, Far From Any Roads seem to be about the danger of the desert, you know, fire ants and whatnot. The, and that's their native environment, the Southwest. And here we're dragged into the English forest, which is every bit as terrifying <laughs> and dangerous, but just in a different way. So mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a really cool song. Yes, yeah, is another favorite for me. Uh, uh, the gentle auto harp is a really nice transition coming out of that kind of dramatic, hazy organ from the, the previous song. And uh, I, I'd like having this shift away from the American folk influences into this English folk uh, realm. And it's kind of gentle, but really unsettling. And it's really pretty. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, it makes me think of the movie The Witch. I feel like I'm just stuck in the Ooh, yeah. spooky backwoods. <laughs> the Vivitch. Black yeah. Philip is talking to me. All right, are we all done with Whitehaven? Yeah, I think so. All right, well, track 11 then is Sleepy. I'm usually sleepy when we record these, but today it's the afternoon. Yeah, it's a nice change. Doesn't mean you can't be sleepy. sounds to me like Brett writing a uh, ballad on spec for John Flansburg of They Might Be Giants. (laughs) (laughs) And that is in no way a criticism, as I'm sure our faithful listeners will have guessed. The dual melodies that he sings mesh into a strikingly odd lullaby that I could hear as part of the soporific suite at the end of They Might Be Giants children's album, No. It's a perfect match with Rennie's wistful tale of an alien abduction that included plenty of horrific moments, but left the human under observation feeling more peacefully dazed than, and drowsy than traumatized. It actually makes being kidnapped, probed, abandoned, and targeted by the NSA sound kinda nice. And I also want to point out the beautiful pedal steel solo in the middle here, courtesy of Dave Gutierrez, mm-hmm. which pushes the song over the top into something very, very special. Say Dave Coulier. Dave. <laughs> at the top for a second. <laughs> is that is that is that just your your go-to Dave? <laughs> Don't we all have one? I guess we all have the Daves we know. These are the Daves I know. I know. These are the Daves I know. Yeah, exactly. Well, in terms of they might be giants, who I'm also always thinking about. Uh, this sort of reminds me of Boat of Car, which seems like an innocuous enough, typical, weird, minute-long TMBG song until you realize that the lyrics are about drowning in a horrible car accident. Traces of your fingernails that run along the windshield on the boat of car. And you sing bass. Yeah. But so the narrator is being kidnapped in the first verse, you're saying? Well, kidnapped by aliens. Oh, yeah. Because to me, like, it sounds like it's about sleep paralysis. I had that idea, too. Yeah, yeah. And I used to get sleep paralysis. It wasn't the awful kind with hallucinations, which is what it sounds like in this song. Uh, I just for me, it was just kind of the sensation of being half conscious, but your motor functions aren't awake yet. So there's kind of a there's a really unpleasant locked in feeling. I don't recommend Mm -hmm. it, but (laughs) I've had that, too. It's not fun. I I recommend sleep paralysis. Yeah, my wife gets the scary (laughs) 
kind. Yeah, but that's what it sounded like to me. But yeah, it's it, it, the first verse sounds like it's about sleep paralysis, and the second one it sounds like it's about being thrown from your car in an accident and dying. It, but it's otherwise, it's the most mellow song about sleeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I am almost always thinking about Pink Floyd, and this kind of reminds me of A Pillow of Winds, but scarier. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Nothing scarier than a pillow of winds. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that one gets mildly dark and scary, but not as scary as this one. <laughs> Dan, what do you think? I have a whole lot to add to this one. I do like this one a lot. And that, that pedal steel solo is really nice. Yeah. Your old Dave Coulier and that touch. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a polymath. Who knew? All right. If we're done being sleepy, let's go listen to the song of 100 Toads. Out to the gold mines, crossing the western hills. Me and my little dog Clyde, and a horse named Prancing Bill. I slept under the stars, I heard the coyote sing. Uh oh, this is another one where the dog dies, isn't it? No, the horse does. He just, yeah. Yeah, the dog just sort of runs away to be with the coyotes, where I assume he is fine and lives out a long, happy life. As the king yeah. of the coyotes. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> as I whipped and tugged him, he bucked against his load. Round a hairpin turn, the wagon tumbled o'er, and down the jagged rocks, Bill fell with all I own. He fell with all I own. That is what you get for whipping your horse. I have rescued at least 100 toads across their various Mario games, as well as 100 fallen peaches and stomped on 100 <laughs> dry bones while we're at it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that... That's what they were going for, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big Mario fans. <laughs> you, you'd, be, you'd be surprised. Yeah. All right, well, what are these toads singing about? I don't know what it says about me that I find this tale of ultimately fatal misadventure for Rinny's poor 49er narrator utterly endearing rather than terrifying, mm-hmm. but I do. <laughs> Brett couches this story in a lot of bouncy charm, complete with panache-filled auto harp and vocalized growling dog sound effects. And it's a somewhat slight, but very, very charming slice of countrified folly. <laughs> yeah, gotta love this jaunty, cheerful accompaniment to somebody's hideous death. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Rich, what do you think? Well, these lyrics remind me specifically of the movie Meek's Cutoff by the great Kelly Reichardt, which is a movie about how the Oregon Trail was super vicious and desolate when you tried to cross it from outside the safety of your 1992 computer lab. But really, this is just any Western where things just keep getting worse. That's an entire genre. Mm. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do it really well here. And I love like the jaunty music and the auto harp. I always love a good auto harp. Mm-hmm. Like on, say, Anna Ang by uh, who's it by? Oh, yeah. They might be giants. <laughs> Dan, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any. They might be giants comparisons. Um, <laughs> then get out. <laughs> I just feel bad for the horse. Yeah. yeah. No, I do like this jaunty uh, tale of terrible sadness. It's kind of like they're, uh, don't worry, be happy. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice song. <laughs> I think we were all thinking that. Definitely. All right. You remember that song we skipped about how the world might end in fire? 
Well, we're coming back to it now. If the world should end in ice. If the world should end in ice. In days of endless night. I'll let the snowstorms cover me. In a blanket of white. And remember. Now, the other shoe drops, and we have two musically identical visions of the apocalypse. Though it turns out neither was correct, and one of them should have been replaced with the Handsome Family outtake, if the world should end in a pandemic amplified by epic government bumblefuckery. No matter, both this and if the world should end in fire are phenomenal huge visions of the end, with nine breaths lining up to attempt Burl Ives-level baritone gravitas in the face Mm -hmm. of doom. Rennie once said in an interview with the AV Club, I can't be happy unless I acknowledge the fact that we're all going to die somewhere in the song. Any other way just feels like blind happiness, which I'm not interested in. And I don't know how the Handsome Family could have better embodied this credo. I'm not sure whether Brett was serious about this, but he said that he they had wanted to open both sides of this album with If the World Should End in Fire and If the World Should End in Ice, respectively, hmm. but Carrot Top Records begged them not to. doesn't matter because the songs have a more conclusive feel anyway obviously well on a broader scale the data is pointing toward fire i can report (laughs) that's that's true (laughs) but uh, these two titles remind me of that twilight zone episode where they think the earth's orbit is shifting toward the sun but then that turns out to be a dream and the earth is actually moving away from the sun uh, which is a spoiler, I guess, but it's literally impossible to discuss just the setup of a Twilight Zone episode. So. I've only had 60 years. <laughs> it turns out it's man. I don't know whether there's any theming to the way they group the sides of this album, but one thing I noticed is that the songs on side one have more of a clomping, like dirge-like quality with a shade of magical realism to the lyrics, uh, like Far From Any Road, 24-Hour Store, etc. Uh, whereas side two like feels like more of a tour of various folk traditions, like biblical in the case of dry bones and, and like just some mm. lyrics that feel more grounded to the earth we live in. If you know, completely wild in their own way, like Whitehaven. And I don't, I, I don't know if there's any actual like thematic grouping going on or if that has anything to do with fire or ice, but whatever the case, they're really good at sequencing. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of albums that do this thing where you have two little tiny songs that <laughs> match up with each other. <laughs> I know where you're going. Yeah, of course you do. You know, Simon and Garfunkel did it. Pink Floyd did it. The Moody Blues did it. <laughs> Almost all my favorite bands do that at one point or another, and it's really good. And this is an excellent example of it. I mean, there's like eight thousand Bretts singing this wonderful little bit of a song about the end of the world. So do we have a preference between ice apocalypse and, a, and fire apocalypse? I generally like it when it's colder myself, yeah. so I'm going to lean ice. I'm lean ice. Well, they say that when you're being burned, it only takes eight seconds for your nerves to go dead. Hmm. Hmm. 
how would you measure that? Do you like ask the person who's on fire to count? I'm sure the sparks is now. Yeah, that's what Bev <laughs> tells me, and she she does a lot of research into this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so right. there's, there's so, a good note to end on. The end. All right. <laughs> what if the world ended in poop? <laughs> <laughs> All right, if the world done ended, what are our final thoughts on the Singing Bones? I cannot say enough about Singing Bones. I love Brett's playful mixing of styles and tones here, which go far beyond any other Handsome Family album. And I love Rennie's fascination with bringing her characters face-to-face -face with the unknown and then giving them a thumbs-up or thumbs-down from her writer's ludus, depending on whether they greet these encounters willingly or combatively. And I hope that we've convinced at least a few of you to check the band out further because there are so many rewards hiding in the brambles of their discography. You convinced me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all I need then. Yeah, I'm too new to folk music to really have any sweeping conclusions about the Handsome family. But I'll just say that one of our original ideas for the show was to have more episodes where people go into episodes completely blind, completely fresh to the artist. And uh, we've shifted more into like a panel of fans style, which is great in its own way. But this was a case where I had no preconceived notions about the artist I was getting into. And it's been really rewarding, like learning a new color or hearing a new frequency. So... Thanks, yeah. Will, and maybe someday I'll get into jazz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm basically right where Rich is. Uh, I had very, very little uh, exposure to really any kind of Americana or anything, so it was nice being able to sort of get this survey of, and uh, would you say this is one of their more representative albums in general? or Not particularly. Really? Um, some of their other albums are more just sort of straight country and folk, and this is probably their, their most eclectic sounding but that doesn't mean that it's by any means unrepresentative in terms of quality. Okay. Because I'd, I'd mm -hmm. say a, a lot of their albums are equally terrific. I find that in general, I'm not really a big fan of the alt country genre. It just, a lot of it sounds to me just kind of boring and derivative. But mm -hmm. as far as the Handsome Family fits into that category, they're an enormous exception to that rule. They're They're always interesting and it's really clear that they love this old country western americana genre that they're often gently lampooning <laughs> <laughs> they they just do it so well and you know you may be skeptical of alt country as a genre the way i am but I, just give the handsome family a chance yeah, and throughout this throughout this episode I've kept saying like folk as a blanket word as if it's like one style of music and i think that this album itself I mean, it's more Americana, I guess, but like it's a, it, it illustrates like what a just what a broad world this is. So I just want to get that. Mm -hmm. I just want to clear that up. It's one of those albums that makes you wish there were more words for <laughs> for yeah. genres. I'm sure Rennie could come it, up with them. They play yeah. both kinds of music, yeah. country and Western. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if our listeners like what they've heard here on Singing Bones, what else should they hear? Well, um, this, it may be their best album by a nose, and Through the Trees may be a more accessible place to start. But for those who want something a little chewier, I'd recommend the album Honeymoon. It's an album that Brett and Rennie recorded for each other as a 20th anniversary gift. And although the lyrics aren't quite as wild as fans might be used to, they're still frequently very funny and unexpectedly affecting. And the music draws on a vast palette that ranges from the platters to XTC, in addition to their usual 
countrified stylings. It's it's very very good. Love is like a white moth, sipping tears from sleeping birds, an asteroid in flames, tumbling to earth. I really really do like through the trees. And I do think that was an easier entry point for me, too, by the way, just for my dumb indie rock ears. It seemed a bit more inviting than this one, <laughs> but it was a good way into to the sound on this album as well. Yeah, I had the same experience. Um, I didn't I didn't want to talk about that album just because I feel like this one's a has a little more to discuss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're unconvinced and you just want to dip your toe in somewhere, you might want to just start with Through the Trees. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, I, I do think that Singing Bones is more consistent than Through the Trees. I think, in my opinion, the highlights are brighter on Through the Trees, but there are also some clunkers on there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, both of them are great. My one recommendation would be if somehow you like what you've heard of the Handsome Family, but you're not familiar with the Decemberists, mm. go check them out. Because I feel like there's going to be a big overlap between people who like... The Handsome Family and the Decemberists. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that too. And like specifically uh, their album, The King is Dead. Yep. Sounds a lot like this. And if you like what you've heard now, you're going to love that. And it's one, two, three on the wrong side of Lee. What were you meant for? What were you meant for? And in seven, eight, nine, you get your shuffle back in line. If you ever make it to ten, you won't make it again. And if you ever make it to ten, you won't make it again. That's the end, I think. I I think think that is the end. And now that we've had two folksy albums in a row, we are now going to pass the mic to Mike with the Beastie Boys' Paul's Boutique. Our own Mike D. (laughs) (laughs) Let's roll some credits. Let's roll some credits. Thank you very much for listening to Discord and Rhyme. You can buy Singing Bones and other albums by The Handsome Family at handsomefamily.com. And if you have a record player, the vinyl copy of Singing Bones is a really cool transparent green. And if you buy it from handsomefamily.com, Rennie sends it directly to you. Yeah. Yep. You can also get these at any fine record store in your neighborhood or more likely Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or Amazon. We've also made you a Spotify playlist that you can find linked on our website, discordpod.com. Follow Discord and Rhyme on Twitter at discordpod for news and updates. You can check out Will's music at disclaimer.bandcamp.com. Editing is by Rich, and special thanks to Mike DeFabio for production and original music. See you next album, and be ever wonderful! <laughs> <laughs>